So I just wanted to buy some boxes, you know. You go to, like, a place like Staples. I think is Staples the only one left. Whatever happened to Office Depot or Office Max, I, I think one of them still exists, but I'm not sure. I, know, I don't believe that both Office Max and Office Depot still exist. One or the other may still exist. But, yeah, Staples is still a big one. It's still around. I mean, I, I, I guess I prefer to have less boxes than more, but, you know, when, when you need to sort of transport things and store things, boxes are very helpful. So the ones I get are these, uh, they, they are called like file folder boxes or something. It's uh, it's sort of manufactured in one piece, and then you sort of have to like sort of tear it apart, you know, the serrations. The lid comes off, and you got to kind of fold the lid over. And then uh, the box itself, you have to sort of like uh, undo the whole thing and uh, fold this one flap down and then put the sides in and you can make a box that way and they're actually pretty sturdy they're very good and of course I need them you know because I've been uh, working on uh, going through my parents house they both passed away and now we have to sell the house so I want to go through the house to find all the stuff that should be kept and not disposed of or sold in an estate sale so it's it's been a wild process and the boxes really helped so uh, was it last week I decided to go to the uh, the Staples uh, in Parsippany. There's this one little stretch in Parsippany on Route 46 that I really am quite fond of. That's where the Phillips 66 uh, gas station is, the Joe Canals uh, liquor store, and then there's this huge uh, a huge shopping center, this huge uh, you know series of supermarkets, strip malls, etc. And of course, Kelly's Dinette's also across the street, which uh, I've never been to, but I, I something about it, this this whole Dinette store it feels very very 20th century in some ways. So there's a Staples there. And by the way, there's a there's a show art. I took a picture many years ago uh, in this sort of uh, this area that was under construction. I think I called it To Relax in 2005. It was just sort of like in this empty space. There were like these two plastic chairs. That's in that same place, that, that same shopping plaza. So, by the way, I'm smoking a pipe. I ran out of cigars completely. So I remembered I had this bag with my pipe supplies I haven't uh, looked at for years. So it's actually not too bad considering I think pipe tobacco can like if you if you let it sit somewhere it ages it gets better. It's not bad considering. Um, I, I favor English blends you know rather than the aromatics I know you, you know this cherry scented this and that and I I prefer the English blends with a lot of Latakia and stuff. I haven't really smoked pipes in a long time but I used to smoke them more. It's just a lot of hassle. It's a lot of work. And like right now, like like that nasty like uh, liquid that sort of builds up and sometimes you suck it in. There's there's all sorts of issues with pipes and you got to clean them and everything. I do have pipe cleaners. Though. They're actually, I have uh, pipe cleaners and matches from Nat Sherman. And that place has been out of business a few years. <laughs> but anyway, I guess it shows I'm a bit addicted because uh, I, I, I went right for the... Uh, my last possible tobacco uh, in the house. It's not bad, though. Not bad at all. I have a feeling pipe smoking will come back. You know, like, I think these things go in waves. I know that, uh, like, for example, that, that place that used to be uh, JR Cigar on uh, Route 10, uh, they changed to uh, Casa de Monte Cristo, and they don't even stock pipe uh, tobacco anymore. So I think pipe smoking is probably at a low point. Um, but I think it'll come back. It's, it's certainly, if you if you do it right, if you have the, a lot of blends and a lot of different pipes, you maintain everything correctly, 
I do think it's a superior aesthetic experience to cigar smoking, though both are great. I know it's unhealthy. I'm not trying to get anyone smoking, though. I like it. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. So I went to Staples. It was, you know, like, what was it, Friday morning. I went in and, uh, you know, I, I, I was looking for boxes. So I, I, I see all these cardboard boxes near the front. So I'm looking at these people like, with some of the employees, like, oh, can we help you? There were like a couple of them just standing around. They're like, can I help you? I'm like, yeah. I'm looking for those boxes. You know, they have lids. Oh, those, those are way back in aisle four. So somehow they separated their boxes into two different departments. That's kind of weird, but that's fine. So I, uh, I, I go to the front, and um, you know I'm also kind of thinking of getting a Sharpie just to label everything, even though my parents' house I've run across endless dozens of Sharpies. I'm like, you know, let me just get a new one so I know it works. And I th- yeah, it was like a dark blue color. I liked like a navy blue. So for, I, I, I hadn't decided that yet. So I, I go up to the checkout at Lane's, and there's no one there. No one there. So I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm, I'm sure there's someone who's going to show up. So I kind of put the boxes. This is big. They're big packages, two, like, big bundles. Each bundle has five boxes in it, right? Put it up on this. Uh, there's, like, an area you can sort of put things up like that. Then I'm looking over at the at the Sharpies th- trying to figure out if I'm going to buy one. And then this guy comes out. He's like, yes, yes, can I help you? I'm like, okay, yeah. And he starts getting all, all, all like, confused. And, all, like, it's, he, he's, like, all, like, oh, okay, what, what are we doing here? Um, uh, um, where, where, where's the barcodes? Uh, um, uh. He, he was, like, getting all nervous. The cashier was getting all nervous and weird. He's, like, I, I'm not even supposed to be here. I, I, this, is what they, this is what they get. I, I, I'm usually, I don't usually run the register. I, I, that's not my job. But they, they, uh, uh, meanwhile, there's all these other people are hanging out. I don't know what's going on at the stables, man. It's a wild scene. So he's, like, where's the... Uh, Where's where where's where, where's I'm like here here's the barcode right here he's like oh okay that'll be twenty dollars please I think uh, I'm like okay hold on well I have two actually it's not just one I have two oh oh, oh two okay and then and then he presses a button and everything like flashes and disappears it's, oh sorry this this is what they get this is what they get this is what they get for putting me on the cash register I don't know how to use this and <laughs> so and then I'm like okay I let me get this dark blue sharpie so I hand it to him I'm like and, and this too he's like what oh okay um. So I'm like, yeah, I have two of these things, not just one, two, you know. Now listen, I'm not going to take advantage of this guy and, like, like take two. I, I, I want the transaction to be accurate, you know. I, I, I understand this guy is, like, messed up. But I'm like, no, there's two boxes here. So I guess they're $20 each. I didn't realize they were expensive. But, okay. He's like, oh, okay, that'll be, uh, uh, th- you know, $40, please. I'm like, okay, but, but like, um, the pen, too. I also need – oh, really? The pen. Oh, I, I thought you were just giving it to me because you thought it was my pen. I'm like, no, I, w- I would like to purchase that Sharpie, please. He's like, oh, okay, okay. And he like, he was so weird and nervous and so odd, you know. The guy's like, that's what they get. <laughs> bizarre, bizarre behavior out of Staples. What could his job be? What was he like, the, the stockroom guy, and they put him on the cash register because there was no one there? I don't know. Anyway. Those boxes were good. I, I, I used those up pretty much. And uh, then I, uh, a couple days later on Sunday, that was on Friday, on Sunday, I'm like, listen, I better get, some, I better get another uh, 10 boxes, you know. So I go there, the same exact place. Yet, yet now there's like three people in line ahead of me, and the line's not moving. And so it looks like this guy is having all these problems with the cash register. Like he's, he's holding like some money and some coins in his hand, and the managers are coming over. They're investigating this problem. I think what 
happened was that the drawer wasn't opening. Like, it was a cash transaction, and the drawer, like, was stuck or something. So they were all puzzling over it. Everyone was trying to figure it out. Eventually, he went to one of the other machine, or one of the other one of their cash registers, and started to uh, take people. But every single transaction took forever. Like a guy bought some of that ink for the printer, but it was in one of those security boxes. So I, I never I, like so he had to like walk over to the another register, find a little device to undo the box, and then he undid the box and opened it and took like everything was going so slow. I was probably standing there for at least I would say at least ten minutes, not to even to exaggerate. I was just waiting. I was waiting patiently. I because I already knew that this Staples is kind of kind of chaotic. All right. So anyway, then another person comes over to fix the cash register, and they kind of like pull out the whole drawer with all the cash in it, and then they put the drawer on the de- on the the top of the of the counter, and they reach back, and there's this like big yellow cardboard sign that was like jammed back in in the mechanism of the drawer. Like, oh, this is probably what it was. How the hell did that get in there? This giant like sign, like it was like a cardboard. It was like a cardboard. Uh, yellow cardboard sign, not huge, but like you know, probably eight, you know, NF by eleven, or whatever, was like jammed in there. Oh, that's why it didn't work. <laughs> What's going on at this Staples? You know. So finally, and this is actually the same register that I that from the first time. Uh, she she uh, she she got it all working. She's like, oh, oh, okay, I can take you now. I'm like, okay. So I put the two boxes up. And she scans it. Now she's like, that'll be twenty dollars, please. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I I got, I got uh you know I got two of them here. You know, two of them. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, that'll be $40, please. I'm telling you. What what a scene, man. That was... Uh, anyway, <laughs> it was interesting. It's sta- I, I hardly ever go to Staples anymore. If I need any of that crap, I just order on online, on Amazon or whatever. Anyway. But yeah, that second day, that was a Sunday. Last time I talked to you about, like, I was driving over there and I came up with a new rule for my solitaire game. A Flea Devil Solitaire. The parking lot rule. So I was actually in a parking lot when I wrote it down on my phone. It felt very appropriate. And I did come up with a name for the uh, f- the instance, not to get too deep into it, when when, when you uh, when your parking lot card has has two matches on the left and right of it right at the start of the game, it's called a hangout. You can hang out and uh, you can uh, take you can haul a lot of cards for free. Anyway. Check out the rules for Flea Devil Solitaire in the book. Uh, I'm continually updating them, so all the new rules should be in next month, hopefully. Anyway, um, an interesting uh, documentary came up on YouTube, and I wound up watching the whole thing. You know that uh, series on PBS, American Experience? This was I thought this was brand new, but now I'm seeing this episode came out in 2021. It's called uh, American Oz, and it's, uh, it says, The life of author L. Frank Baum and the making of his classic novel, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, the movie it inspired, and the importance of this story in American life. So it was quite a documentary, and, I, and it's, it's the whole thing is, I, I guess they threw it on uh, YouTube for free, I don't know, temporarily or whatever. I uh, really recommend it. It's such a fascinating story. I never knew what was going on with this guy, L. Frank Baum. I mean, his name was Frank, like me, so he must be a good guy, right? Yeah, yeah. What was his first name? Was like uh, Linden or something? Hold on, let me let me look this up. His first name, Lyman. Lyman Frank Baum. 
Interesting, interesting, because my uh, my uncle, who's no longer with us, he passed away many years ago. Um, his his name was Lyman Bruce. His his first name was Lyman. So he used his middle name. I guess if your if your first name is Lyman, I guess you just use your middle name at that point. Lyman. It's quite a name. But anyway, L. Frank Baum is your is is it Baum or Baum? I I just want to say Baum. He's the bomb, okay? He made up the Wizard of Oz. He's the bomb, L. Frank Baum. Excuse me while I smoke my pipe. See, while you smoke, you need the thing like a nail, something to push down on the tobacco as it goes down. That's an essential tool for pipe smoking. Anyway, just... Uh, from memory, this guy, so his life story, he was born, I think it was in New York State. I, I'm just going to do this all from memory. Uh, to a kind of a rich family. His father was was kind of wealthy, and um, he made uh, he had like an, a grease or oil company or something. And um, But he was an artistic guy, and so he, uh, when he, when he, you know, uh, grew up. He sort of he started doing all these different things. Like he was like raising these like like special chickens, and he wanted to be an actor. And he sort of became an actor for a while. Um, and then eventually he put on this play, something called, like the Maid of something, and it became like this huge sensation. And he toured the he he was touring the country, but for some reason it all fell apart. He got married. He was going to have a kid. So then he goes back to work for his father and it was just it, like this endless story and then he um, uh, his father dies and he decides to leave that company he moves out to South Dakota a town called Aberdeen, South Dakota and apparently the railroad that ran out there how, how the hell else are you going to get out there bet, except on the railroad was promoting this town as the next best thing like you can get in on the ground floor of this new booming city it was going to be like the new like Chicago or something so he went there, and this is really fascinating. He created this place called Bomb's Bazaar, and they, he sold all of these like toys and 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 exotic uh, uh, collectibles from around the world in this like small South Dakota frontier town, almost. This was in the late eight. This is like in the eighteen eighties, eighteen nineties. I think it's still eighteen eighties. You know, and his actually mother-in-law was one of the. What was her name? I forget. I forgot her mother-in-law's name, but she was really involved with the women's uh, suffrage movement, uh, getting the women the right to vote. So she was in with the initial group, Susan, Susan B. Anthony, and all them. So he actually picked it up from them. So he uh, he was very pro uh, su- uh, suffrage. It was kind of bizarre to think about that. This was a big issue back then. Women were not allowed to vote. Can you imagine? Uh, what what a strange way. Well, there's always strange things in society. I, we have corrected that. Historically speaking, I think, yeah. So, yeah, so this Bombs Bazaar was very successful for the first year or so. But then the whole area was hit with this incredible drought. And then the the uh, the Indians that lived there, whose land was taken from them, essentially, started to, uh, you know, sort of get upset about the whole thing. And, they, and there was this thing called the Ghost Dance, where they were, it was like this weird spiritual practice where they would dance uh incessantly until they sort of like passed out from exhaustion and they would have like weird visions on how to get rid of the settlers and stuff but this was interpreted as a hostile move they thought this was like leading up to some sort of like armed rebellion so 
at that point, L. Frank Baum, his uh, so around that time his his store failed, the the bazaar failed. So he bought a newspaper. So he started writing all these editorials in the newspaper, at first supporting uh, the women's right to vote, and apparently South Dakota voted a very high margin not to give women the right to vote. So he was very upset about that. But then he started writing these uh, anti-Indian editorials, calling them all sorts of names, which was actually rather shocking. Um, But they were – the documentary was trying to be somewhat even-handed about it, trying not to trash the guy. I mean, obviously it was unfortunate that he said that stuff, but they're saying it was the prevailing view, yada, yada, whatever. So this whole town was, like, collapsing. So he he then moves to Chicago, and it was really interesting because it was right around the time – of the World's Columbian Exposition around 1893, the Chicago World's Fair, which to me would be sort of like uh, a top time travel destination as soon as I get my hands on a time machine. I definitely want to go visit visit the, what they call the White City there in Chicago. And he was hugely inspired by that as well. I think sort of the Emerald City in Oz eventually was inspired by the White City in, uh, in, in at the World's Fair. So I guess he got a job at like a, a dish manufacturer or something and had to, it was like a traveling salesman, but more like a representative of the company to go like sell like to hotels and restaurants to sell like plates and stuff in, in Chicago. But he was also, he also was doing some writing. I guess he would tell his kids these stories and his mother-in-law, who was a writer as well, she's the suffra- suffrage, uh, into the suffrage thing, encouraged him to publish a book. So he also had some connection with the newspapers there too. I guess he was writing. Again, I don't remember it all, but it is a fascinating story. You should watch the documentary. But uh, he found this illustrator and he created this, like the world of Mother Goose, which is pretty popular. Then he did a thing called Father Goose, uh, I think with the same illustrator. And then a few years later, he did The Wonderful Wizard of Oz uh, around 1900, I think, with the same illustrator. And that became a huge smash hit. And then uh, these people wanted to make a like a, a like a musical out of it, right? But they kept changing it. The musical was like they kept changing the characters and changing everything, and including aspects of minstrel shows into it. I think that the uh, the Tin Man and the Scarecrow sort of they um, modeled them on on minstrel show uh, uh, character archetypes. So it was like almost rec- unrecognizable from the book, but it was hugely successful, this massive hit, and it was like touring the country. Then he started writing more books. He was like super, super popular. Then he winds up moving out to Los Angeles in the early days of the movie industry and forms this consortium to create Oz movies. You know, this is in like 1910s, I think, uh, maybe at most the 1920s. No, it was, yeah, it was like... Uh, no, it was the 1910s, because I think he died in 1909, actually. So after all the success, he makes his first Oz movie, you know, a silent movie. And it's like a, it, it's not really very successful. People said, oh, what is this kid stuff? And event, apparently they made four movies in this series before giving up, because they just weren't successful. And, uh... Or did he die in 1919? I forget exactly. But then, of course, MGM several decades later made the movie in 1939 and his wife was still alive and was able to attend the premiere of The Wizard of Oz with Judy Garland and all that and uh, 
you know, and then they went on to talk about The Wiz, you know, the, the black musical, and, uh, and also Wicked and everything else. But it was a really fascinating, really fascinating uh, documentary. I know, I know I'm not doing it justice in my rambling overview of it, but it, it's a story I never knew and cuts across a lot of interesting aspects of American life at that time. Anyway, one of the days I went down, it's all a blur now, to uh, a house. I think it was, I forget exactly what day it was. Um, I had to drop off my laundry at the, um, oh, I had to go pick it up, too. Thanks for reminding me. I had to go pick up my, uh, my laundry, or, or my cleaning, you know, because I got, like, a new, a new jacket and stuff for the, uh, the wedding in Italy. Yes, the Italy trip is coming up in a few days. We'll be leaving in, well, in about five days we're leaving. So I dropped it off, and because uh, I was there by Route 3, I'm like, you know what? I'm always trying to forge new roads, find new ways of driving. You know, I'll, I'll drive down Route 3 and then take the, the turnpike, and maybe I'll try to pick up 22 and go to uh, Lidl to get some food, right, for the day's work at the house. So I start – it was a very nice day. I start driving down the, the, the turnpike, and um, after a while, I'm like, Wait, wh- where am I? How far did I go? I didn't have any idea where I was. I'm like, I, I completely missed it. I don't think there is actually an exit onto 22 from the turnpike. <laughs> so I, I, I was driving past the airport, the North Liberty Airport. I'm like, I, I guess I better get off at the next stop, whatever it is. And I'm not that far away. So I got off at 278. And it was this, I, I mean, I guess it was like in Elizabeth or something. There were like people panhandling on the side of the road. It was all wild. So I, I, I was at a light. I'm like, listen, I better navigate. So I was like 25 minutes away from the Lidl. So I was on all these weird back roads. And then I wound up on 19 North and eventually got onto 22. But what was great about it was I was able to experience the full eastern portion of Route 22, which I almost never do. Right? It's, it starts Route 22, one of my favorite roads. It's this crazy commercial highway in New Jersey, especially between... Uh, the parkway, and and then when you get to around uh, you know Bridgewater, um, where I where I grew up, is like this section of this road, and it's just been very famous as this crazy shopping road. At one point, there's an island in the middle between the east and leftbound uh, east and westbound lanes where there's there's tons of stores in the middle. It's just super hazardous driving. There's a building shaped like a giant like cruise ship. There used to be the Leaning Tower of Pizza. It was a pizzeria that had a Tower of Pizza reproduction leaning. So much great stuff. Gene Shepard uh, did a whole like PBS special about Route 22, or I think it was an episode of his show about America. He was a huge fan of Route 22. Anyway, I grew up near there. I spent so much time on Route 22. There's a certain, there's no other road like Route 22, and yet the portion between the airport and the parkway is a section of 22 that I hardly ever experienced. So at this point, I was able to uh, enter 22 going westbound from its very beginning and experience that section, which it's not a super interesting section of Route 22, to be honest, but I've, I've been meaning to experience it, so it was great to experience it. And then right before I got to the part where I'm more familiar with once you once you pass the, the, the parkway, and it was weird because when you get off the parkway, you merge onto this side road. I thought it was a side road, and then you merge onto 22, but no, that is actually 22. I was actually on that, what I thought was a side road, there's something weird going on there where, where, where 22 kind of crosses over the, uh, the parkway, which goes north-south. 22 is east-west. 
Yeah, I still need to understand that. But anyway, uh, there was this uh, adult video store called Moviethon. <laughs> I thought that was such a, such a great... That must have been named in the 70s. Let's start a porno star called Moviethon. <laughs> and it looked like it was completely closed, but I, I, I looked it up on... Uh, uh-oh, I, lo- I looked up on Google Maps. What kind of, what kind of uh, ads are they going to give me now that I looked up Moviethon? Uh-oh. It's so creepy. There's like pictures of like a boiler room. <laughs> oh my god, the pictures they have, like some weird boiler room. Look at oh look at it, it says we're open, but all the windows are boarded up. Super creepy. Movie thon. Maybe it's maybe it's still open. But I, I just looked at the reviews. Uh Here's the reviews from seven months ago. A great place if you want to get your knob polished and your hole plugged. Nice dark rooms and great security in the front. What? That's a five-star review. Here's a one-star review. The place is uh, is uh, at an all-time low. I understand most of the places are dirty, but this place this takes the cake. If you don't want to bring anything home with you from bugs to sickness, avoid this place. You will thank me later. Five-star review. Really good, friendly guys in there. Hungry mouths and holes. Oh my! I didn't realize it. Oh my god! So, it must be like a uh, yeah. I don't know. Movie thought. <laughs> it's very disturbing. I didn't real. I thought it was just a video star. I didn't realize that kind of stuff was going on there. Oh well. You have all kind of businesses on Route Twenty Two. What do you want? But yeah, I'm really starting to like Lidl. A bit more, you know, L-I-D-L, the uh, supermarket, no-frill supermarket from Europe that's taking over America along with Aldi, you know. Anyway, as I mentioned, yeah, the trip is coming up. Today's Thursday, so Tuesday, yeah, yeah, Tuesday, we're flying out at 8.30 p.m., that's just in five days, yeah. So in about five days, we'll have to be he- getting ready to head over to the airport. you got to get there a few hours early. We're checking luggage, so we have to get there a bit earlier, I think. But I'm, I'm trying to get all prepared. I mean, it's one of those things, like, I, I, am I going to over-prepare? I don't know, but I just I got one of those uh, little tiny handheld uh, luggage scales, so your luggage is, you know how, how much your luggage weighs. Yeah, we have uh, all our luggage has some aspect of orange. We have orange uh, hard side suitcases I got, and then I have the uh, the Air Travel Pack Three. It's a black uh, travel backpack, but it's yellow. It's orange on the interior. It's the X Pack material, and uh, so I've been getting a like I got a new charger. I've been getting all sorts of new stuff, new uh, USB cables, USB C to USB C. All sorts of things to try to make sure. I, I'm sure I'm over-preparing, but, uh, you know, I, I, I want to make sure I have all the stuff I need, you know. We're going to be in a foreign land of Italy, you know. So starting in the south of Italy, and then it, it, then we move north, keep moving north throughout the whole trip. Uh, I don't know. I, we, I, I've been planning this for so many months now. It's been like uh, – it's so weird because it's been such a lot of effort into the planning of the trip and everything. It feels like I've been sort of on this trip for months now, just sort of in my mind, you know. 
but it's coming up soon. So I think this is actually going to be the last episode before the tri- the, the trip shows start. Uh, I think I'm I think I'm going to call them. It'll be the Italia series, you know, using the Italian numbers. So it'll start off with it- Italia uno, Italia due, Italia tre, Italia quattro, Italia cinque. <laughs> Probably five episodes, just like the last time I was in Europe. Probably about five episodes, but I did. I, I may, there may also be Italia Sei for six. That's about all the Italian I know. I, I haven't been studying up on Italian at all, because you know, like when like last time we were there, we were in Rome, we were in uh, Pompeii and stuff, Naples. You know, you don't really need the uh, Italian there, but I think we're going to like other places where people may not be speaking the English. So uh, I don't know, but you always have the. The translation app. Let's see if I can get this going here. Let's try this out here. You can just speak and then you can translate it. I know this is a very common technology now, but I've never actually had to use it. Here we go. Hello. We would like to know if there is a uh, a vegan restaurant nearby. Hello. We would like to know. Oh, it's not doing it right. Hello. We would like to know if there is a vegan restaurant nearby. Here we go. Salve. Vorremmo sapere se c'è un ristorante vegano nelle vicinanze. <laughs> Am I really going to do this? <laughs> I guess people do do that. I don't know. It feels kind of creepy, but if but you know, and then you could have someone talking to your phone in here and you can just read what they said. I guess it's good to have. It's good to have. But yeah, like so we're going to Bari in south of Italy on the east coast of Italy. Cuz our neighbors they're getting married there. That's that's why we're going to go to their wedding and um so we'll we'll know that we'll know some people there we'll get to know their friends and stuff um yeah so we're gonna fly out tuesday night and then land in munich germany uh it's gonna be like 10 a.m there or something but it's gonna be 4 30 a.m our time they're gonna have a five and a half hour layout layover in munich because this town of bari doesn't really have any direct flights from like the new york area so you gotta go some kind of layovers and we only want to do one stop you know you can do like these flights you can have like multiple legs but in this case this was like believe it or not the best flight with this five and a half hour layover and the consensus is even though you have five and a half hours it's not enough time to like go to go to downtown munich and come back so i guess we're gonna be hanging out in munich airport for five and a half hours that actually sounds pretty cool i've never been in germany and being in the airport is that actually i guess you are technically in germany but It'd be kind of cool, hanging out in Germany, but in an airport. That's it, yeah. So then, later on, the flight to Bari from Munich, which is not a long flight, but... Sorry, I'm done with my pipe here. i got to clean it out with a pipe cleaner once I'm done here. Um, so then, we're going to land at, at Bari. got to get our checked luggage, which hopefully made it there. And uh, I guess I'm going to have the backpack with us. on the. It's going to be my carry-on. And um, then you can take a train to uh, the central station there in Bari. And we have an Airbnb kind of place uh, that is uh, in a former movie theater. So we're going to be staying there right next to the train station, which is good. But we're going to be getting there like 5, 6 p.m., and I'm sure after that whole day of travel we'll be shot. I don't know what we're going to do. So uh, the next day, this a Thursday, we're going to have my wife and have the whole day to ourselves in Bari. Apparently there's like an old town with these twisty streets that apparently used to be like a bad area, but now it's like good for tourists. My neighbor Fab was telling me. 
Um, so then the day after that is the wedding. So we're going to be um, taking a bus from uh, from the tr- near the train station over to the wedding, which is like a forty five minute hour away inland, and uh, going to do the wedding. That should be great. And then the next day, uh, Saturday, I think we're going to um, meet up with uh, Fab and Sarah, who are the couple getting married. And then I think we're going to go to Fab's uh, mother's house a bit to the south of there and hang out there. Next day, Sunday, we're going to, early in the morning, get on the Freccia Rossa, the Red Arrow train up to Venice. Yes, I've never been to any of these places before. So we're going to go to Venice. The hotel is in uh, an area called Dorsaduro. So apparently you get off the train and then you have to you have to get on a little like boat. It's like there's like boats that are like the like bus boat kind of things. It's like the subway, but it's it's boats, you know, because it's Venice. Listen, I have never been. I, I I really had no thought about Venice before. I've heard of it, but once I started researching it, it does look like a kind of a cool place. So we're gonna uh, get over to the hotel there and then spend a few days in Venice. I have no idea what we're gonna do. We're gonna just, I guess we're gonna just play it by ear. It looks like a very cool place though. Then a few days later, we're gonna be. Uh, Go back to the train station and go like one stop to Mestre station, and then rent a car. Uh, this is the scariest part of the trip: renting a car in Italy. And then, uh, you know, in the research I did, they people have all these horror stories about the car rental places. What's wrong with that vehicle? I think that was a bugman, kind of a, a exterminator van. What kind of noise was that? I've never heard an engine like. Is it electric or is it something wrong with it? Wow. Anyway, yeah. So we're gonna, you know, it's and it's uh, as I was talking about last time. You know, the cars are all manual transmission. I can drive a manual, so I'm okay. But I know a lot of younger people wouldn't be able to from the U.S. at least. So we're gonna like a, like a little Fiat kind of car or something, and um, yeah, drive up to the town where my grandfather grew up. It's a little town called Donia, and uh, the main town there is called Longarone. And I'm gonna we're gonna meet up with my we found a uh, you know Airbnb kind of place there to stay and uh, my cousin uh, Sarah, distant cousin I believe, uh, is is gonna meet us there and we're gonna just be there one night and we're gonna you know hopefully go see the town where my grandfather grew up. Then the next day we're gonna drive to the vegan hotel La Vimea up uh, up near the Austrian border and then it's like a three night minimum there so we're gonna stay at this vegan hotel where every morning they have this huge vegan breakfast. And then there's like apparently amazing day trips from there that I have. I know I should look into it. I should pr- figure out where we're going. And then at night there's this huge like vegan feast every night that's different every night. Um, and then during the day you can do like uh, meditation or yoga or whatever massages. It's like that's totally a- alien territory for me. Like like trying to relax and and ha- and, and meditate and stuff. At a, that should be interesting. And then finally the last day we're gonna drive over into Austria to Innsbruck. And it's going to be a Sunday, so everything's going to be closed. So I have to find the parking garage at this mall, which apparently there's a weird back way you get there. The hotel, they say you have to find this parking garage, and then you find this particular elevator to go up into the hotel. Again, we're going to get there, I don't know, in the afternoon. Everything's going to be closed. But I'm sure it'll be really cool just to be in Austria. And uh, then early the next morning, we're going to fly back from Innsbruck Airport. And that we're going to fly in on 9-11, September 11th, obviously, it's very that you know, when you hear you're flying on 9/11, it's a little scary. But the way our trip was, we kind of had to do it on 9/11, so I think it, I think it should be all right. But that's sort of the overview of the trip, and uh, I'm going to be recording the whole time. That is my plan, and releasing the shows from the uh, from the road there. I have I bought a little 
uh, refurbished computer just for that express purpose. I bought the smallest and lightest one I could find for a reasonable price. You can get like a, a, a very functional little laptop computer. It's like 140 bucks, you know. Um, Windows, Windows 10. Excuse me, I'm cleaning the pipe here. Uh, so that's the plan, and uh, tomorrow I'm going back to the house, hopefully to finish my portion of my complete sweep of the house. I did finish. Did I tell? Did I talk about that already? I'm trying to remember the last show I did. <laughs> uh, I think I did. I think I did. I think I did talk about how I finished, but now I just have to uh, take a bunch of stuff that I want to take. And then my part will be done, and my brother can then do his stuff and then call in the estate sale people, empty the whole house, then sell the house, yada, yada. That's all that. Ooh, what is this? It's windy and rainy all of a sudden. Well, it's been, it's been windy and rainy today, but there's a gust of wind now. Wow. All right, let me clean this pipe with a pipe cleaner. Yeah, because, you know, when you smoke a pipe, there's, like, this nasty gunk that develops liquidy gunk yeah it's really nasty you need you need the pipe cleaners I know I know kids play with pipe cleaners pipe cleaners are very fun to play with they're like these fuzzy things with wire interior so you can shape them but right like they're used a lot for crafts and stuff but you can also use uh, so I remember at one point we had some of those craft pipe cleaners but I needed to use them actually to clean my pipe they still work pretty well this one's shot. Let me get another one. I'm trying to clean this pipe. That's the thing. Cigars are single use. You, you you smoke it and you just you throw the whatever's left. You just toss it. Pipes you have to clean. I know when most people think of pipes, you can smoke weed. No, you can also smoke tobacco in pipes, and it's very good if you're into such things. Am I cleaning it here? What's going on? Alright. Yeah, I think it's alright. Alright, it's done. Nice. Anyway. Listening to some Grateful Dead. I definitely, I definitely go through phases with Grateful Dead, but I'm, I'm back really listening to shows. And every time I come back to Grateful Dead, it's just better and better. And Anyway, this show is from 69, and 69 was a very special year for Grateful Dead because uh, Pigpen was in top form, and uh, especially with the Turn On Your Love Light here. And Tom Constantin is actually in the band at this point, uh, short tenure as a keyboardist he's actually still still alive most of their keyboardists have died um this song this show just has it all so this is a grateful dead live at avalon ballroom april 5th 1969 and uh, starts off with a great version of dupree's diamond blues right and of course you can hear this on the internet archive relisten.net it's all it's all free Great. Little young boy, Papa said, son, you'll help us 
Jerry singing. And then, of course, after that, we have Mountains of the Moon, a fantastic song that they stopped playing for good a few months after this, very sadly. I love Mountains of the Moon. Cold mountain water, the jade merchant's daughter. Grateful Dead is just a gift that keeps on giving. Then a big 17, over 17 minute Dark Star. You know, Dark Star. And then we have St. Stephen. What a great song. And then another, almost exactly the same length, a seven, over 17 minute Turn On Your Love Light. See a good part where pig pen's going nuts on this song. And then, if that's not enough, a hard to handle with pig pen. Those are both covers, by the way. Remember the Black Crows did this song? The Grateful Dead did the best cover. And then, of course, Cosmic Charlie. What a great song. Cosmic. Charlie, how do you do? And then a classic China Cat Sunflower. This song they would keep playing through the whole career. Cosmic Charlie also kind of went away in a way. They brought it back a few times. Look for a while at the China Cat Sunflower. Doing that rag, another great one. doing that rag and then of course cryptical envelopment going into the other one and back to cryptical envelopment and then the 11 what a great song this this also didn't didn't make it out of 69 i saw them when they were at city field a few years ago a dead in company uh, performed the 11 with the full lyrics for the first time ever i was there in person test of the boomerang one of the lyrics right then It's a Sin, a song I'm not as familiar with. And then Alligator, a great, another great Pigpen song. that There was someone on uh, Reddit that kept hoping they'd play Alligator, but Dead & Company never played Alligator. Now Dead & Company's over with, I think. And then Drums, of course. And I guess they called it feedback before. And that, that's, you know, drums in space. Feedback. And then we bid you good night. Jesus. 
Jerry and Bob there. Anyway, what a great show. So check it out. Uh, uh, April 5th, 1969, Grateful Dead. Let me start it from the top here. I'll be checking this out. Anyway, on to other topics here. What else do we have? Yeah, I wanted to talk about Mercury retrograde because that's this thing. I haven't really thought about it much recently, but someone mentioned that it's a Mercury retrograde started yesterday. This is this aspect of astrology where the planet Mercury, as we see it in the sky, uh, appears to move backwards before then starts moving forwards again. And people have noticed that during this time, there's all sorts of weird communication issues and things like that. I kind of, in the past, have interpreted it in kind of a different way. You know, like the idea that <clears throat> this this world of ours was, this is all just a theory, but the idea that the world we're living in here that we know of as Earth, the theory, my theory, this is just an idea. I don't, I don't adhere to this. I don't believe this, but I do think it's an interesting, um, an interesting possibility that our world was is completely constructed. Our world has been built by someone else um, as a kind of a, a sealed enclosure for us to live in, right? And that certain patterns and cycles were built into this world. Right, uh, patterns of um, you know the seasons, of course, as we have here, but also aspects of ourselves. Right, the idea that we don't feel the same every single day as human beings. Some days we feel full of full of energy and vim and vigor. We're ready to go, and some days it feels like our get up and go has got up and went. And uh, you know, uh, there used to be a, a popular thing called the biorhythms that theorized that there's these three cycles that are running in every person. Up and down, uh, physical, uh, emotional, and, and intellectual cycles that uh, we're, we're running at different frequencies. So, like a, a triple positive, that's where all three of those aspects are cresting, and you're at top form in all of them. Or a triple critical, where all three, you know, you have some of those days where nothing seems to go right, you just feel horrible. The idea that cycles are set up. In this theory, the idea of the cycles were set up to keep our lives interesting and to, and to keep things moving, if, so every day is not the same. And we know one of our cycles as human beings is, is waking and sleeping. We all have to do it. You can't go without sleep. So, the, so if you want to say, in general, we spend two-thirds of our life, 16 hours a day, awake, and ideally eight hours asleep. And while you're asleep, your body is rejuvenating, it is... Uh, it is rebuilding whatever cells, and it's also processing information, and it's uh, you, you need that. So one-third of our lives we spend essentially unconscious or in dream states as, as a way to kind of um, repair and uh, prepare for the, day, the next day ahead. It is really a rather bizarre aspect of our lives, but of course we all have to do it. We all sleep. I know people have sleep problems and stuff, but in general we're talking, you know, if your ideal eight hours of sleep. I usually don't get quite eight hours, probably more like seven-ish maybe. Sometimes I sleep longer. But anyway, um, it's interesting because the Mercury retrograde cycle follows somewhat the same pattern, two-thirds on and one-third off, if you include the shadow periods on Mercury retrograde. The shadow period is where Mercury appears to be slowing down before it then reverses course. And this is explained by you know the relative positions of the planets, yada, yada. It's not really going backwards, but from our perspective, it's going backwards in the sky. In the alternate theory, 
the sky is really just a essentially like a big clock, a readout to show us where these various cycles stand. I know that goes completely against most people's understanding of things, which we've all picked up from the world around us that we're the planets and stars and the sun and the moon are these cosmic orbs that are nearer or farther from us. And that may be true. I, I, I don't know. But the idea that it's just a big clock, a readout of like a sort of a dashboard for our world here, it's a very different way of looking at things. But that would explain why astrology works, not that the stars are causing it, but the stars are actually a, a readout, a dashboard, an indicator of these various things. And I, and I know that's a far out theory, but it's something I think I enjoy uh, pondering. So what if, you know, what people notice during Mercury retrograde is that it's a bad time to start new things, but it's a good time to deal with stuff from the past, cleaning, cleaning things up, reconsidering things, uh, fixing things, things like that. So what if, uh, similar to our sleep cycle where we spend two-thirds awake and then one-third asleep, what if it was the original intention that our societies, our culture, our, 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 our society, more than our culture, right, our society would um, spend two months, for example, nose to the grindstone, work, 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 but then the next month off, right? That kind of pattern kind of represented in general with Mercury Retrograde I know we have a, a, a cycle where we work, 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 and then the summer is off, at least for uh, students and teachers. And a lot of people take their couple week, week or two vacation in the summer. I know in Europe they do a lot more taking time off in summer as well. But what if it was more two months on and one month off? That would be kind of cool, like January, February, working hard. But then like March, you just, you just like no one really does much. You just chill out. Most businesses would be closed during this one month, you know, and it would be a time of just like rest and relaxation and stuff. And then, you know, come April and May, you'd go crazy again, doing everything. And, and, and then uh, in June, you'd relax. So what if we were like following this cycle, like all of society kind of sh- like shuts down for a month, then two months of like intense activity and then another one month of, of, of more relaxed activity? I don't know. That sounds actually interesting, following the... Uh, that cycle. It just, it just occurred to me today. I know it's not going to happen, but I figured I would mention it as an idea at least. <clears throat> anyway, today's episode is called Stroll of Encoding. And uh, the picture there is a picture I took uh, within the past week or two driving home one of the nights down uh, Washington Valley Road westbound toward uh, Pluckerman there in the Bedminster area. Like in New Jersey, there's towns within towns within towns. It's very bizarre. So Pluckerman is like a, a section of Bedminster in some way. It's like weird. It's not even, is it its, is it its own town? There's all these subtowns. It's very, very strange. But anyway, the moon, as I was driving along, the moon was the barest of, of crescent slivers. You very rarely see it that thin, really beautiful. You know, like it, I don't know if it was waxing or waning, but it, it, it was just so thin, so beautiful. And I figured when I got on this straightaway, I'd whip out my phone. You know, it's got to hit the button twice to get invoke the camera. And I just took one one shot with the camera, trying to be safe driving and while taking pictures with my phone. Uh, and I got this shot, which I really dig this shot. And you do see the moon, but the camera, it was a little jittery. So the moon is kind of smudged there. But that is the moon I saw. But you can't see how beautiful and slim the crescent was in the picture. 
but yeah, it's like dusk and uh, heading towards that intersection uh, where there's that shopping center now called the, the Fresh Market. But 50 years ago, when uh, when we first moved into this area, that was the supermarket. It was A&P at the time. My mother would drive us to the supermarket. So I was in that supermarket. This is like maybe like not even a mile away from there. Uh, 50 years ago, I used to drive down this exact road. It's like pretty wild. But I, I thought it was a cool image. And I think the the shakiness or blurriness gives it sort of a, dy- a dynamic quality, this picture. I really do like it. And uh, I chose the title Stroll of Encoding <clears throat> to be the title of this ep- episode. And I found this interesting... Uh, what font is this? Let's see. <laughs> this interesting uh, old wood type font called... Uh, Outstanding. I found it on a an alt binary site. It's called Outstanding, and um, yeah, I played around with it. I kind of did a crisscross thing, so the overnight escape's going one way ang- at an angle, stroll of encoding's going the other way. I, l- I really like the way it turned out. Um, so, what is a stroll of encoding? It's a. It's just sort of uh, when you're strolling, you're sort of on a pleasant little wandering around. You're just strolling and. Uh, while you're strolling, you're encoding. So I guess that kind of relates to me walking around and recording and stuff as a stroll of encoding. I don't know. I just felt like the right uh, felt like the right um, phrase. But it also kind of represents how I sort of feel like you know I've been focusing so much on the house as I've been mentioning in the trip. But like, and then and then as, as I've mentioned, there's been like four things stacked up for me: the house, the trip, and then fish, which fishes back this weekend, and then of course uh, working on. Onsug Radio, all the new ideas in Onsug Radio, all sort of stacked up. But the idea that three of those things, the fish stuff, the fish tour will end actually while I'm in Italy, and then early September, the trip will be over, um, and the house will be sold. And then what comes after that? Like, I've been just so focused on the near future, trying to think about the farther future, and I do think that uh, uh, the um, developments in, uh, in Onsug Radio will be what kind of, which have been so, I've, I've, I've had so many breakthroughs in that regard, as well as Flea Devil Solitaire. Um, in the past few weeks, I feel like moving into that post-period, after this sort of intense uh, summer, to really focus on uh, the Onsug Radio stuff, which will be the um, the broadcast layer, the next edition of the book, etc. So that's kind of what I was thinking with Stroll of Encoding. But I really like you know, the phrase itself, it kind of resonates like a scroll of, uh, like in, in magic, like in Dungeons and Dragons or all the fantasy games, you have magic scrolls, like a scroll of enchanting, stroll of encoding kind of resonates with that a bit. You get it? That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but anyway, there was a, um, one thing, I don't know if I mentioned, I may have mentioned it, but in the house, this is my parents' house I'm talking about, in the closet, in the hallway on the main floor, there's so much stuff in there. And there was like this bag that was super heavy. And inside was a ball and chain, like a literal ball and chain, like a heavy like metal ball and a chain that attaches to it. And we're like, what the heck is this? A ball and chain. And it really, I didn't take it. I don't want the ball and chain, but it was so symbolic that your stuff that you accumulate is like a ball and chain around your ankle, right? Because you you always see like the idea of... um, prisoners with this ball and chain attached to their leg that right that they wouldn't even if they were able to escape it would slow them down so much that they would be uh, captured again 
but that uh, a literal ball and chain was in one of the closets. That is so bizarre. I wanted to mention that. Uh, a few games I've, I've uh, been interested in recently, video games on the computer. I would just like to say um, this, this game, Xenotilt, X-E-N-O-T-I-L-T, is a, is a pinball game that is so good. This just came out. Uh, it's on Steam for the PC at least. Xenotilt Pinball is um, absolutely fantastic. It is uh, inspired by a game called Devil's Crush that was on TurboGrafx-16, a.k.a. The, the system also known as the PC Engine, I believe, in Japan. Late 80s. It's a pinball game with these multiple levels. And uh, there also was... Uh, so on TurboGrafx, I think, 19... I think it was 89, was uh, Alien Crush with a similar pinball at multiple levels. Uh, but then Devil's Crush, I think, came out in 1990, and that was actually much, a much more fully uh, fleshed out game. And this game is also a sequel. The same uh, game people made a game, I think, called Demon's Tilt a few years ago that was definitely inspired by uh, Devil's Crush. Xenotilt now, known as a hostile pinball action, um, takes that formula and just uh, really has perfected it. What a, what a pleasure to play this game. It is a wild game. It has kind of a space horror theme. There's all of these enemies. It's almost like a bullet hell pinball. And you can actually, you know, you know how you can sort of cradle the ball by keeping one of the, the uh, flippers up? You can then uh, invoke these uh, these cannons to start shooting everything. It's hard to describe, but it is such a great game. I've really enjoyed uh, playing it. And it's a tough game. It really reminds me of earlier days of pinball games, especially with a Japanese perspective. Uh, there was a company called um, Little Wing Pinball, and it gave me the same vibe as playing that like way back in the, in the, the 90s on Max, uh, Little Wing uh, Pinball. Let me see if they're still going. I don't think they've made a new game in decades at this point. They're still up, uh, uh, littlewingpinball.com. And it's, they're still around. It's a Japanese place, but unfortunately, they uh, they seem to be finished. But there is a um, like on the Internet Archive, they have a page where you can download a bunch of the uh, what they the, the uh, download demos, and then there's a lot of keys to activate them because this company is like long gone. I used to love these games, so it gives me a little bit of that vibe. I mean, these games don't really have multiple levels. Some of them have multiple tables, like. Uh, that King Arthur one, Golden Logris, I think. But anyway, it's a certain kind of uh, pinball uh, pleasure that you can get from this brand new game, Xenotilt. And another game news, uh, there's a game that just came out. You know, again, Steam on PC, uh, uh, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. I didn't get this game because, I don't know, I don't really feel like I have time right now to... Uh, delve into it, but um, this game, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk, is essentially another company doing uh, essentially a, a third sequel to um, a, a Jet Set Radio. Jet Set Radio was an incredible game on the Sega Dreamcast, so it was early 2000s, I think it came out. Uh, it had sort of a cartoony style, and you were in this future Japanese city, and you were your characters would skate around on these rollerblades jump around, grind uh, on railings, and, um, and, and do uh, graffiti, and it was an amazing game. I loved it. It actually was called Jet Grind Radio uh, in, in the U.S. because of some weird jet set 
some other game had the trademark to Jet Set. I don't know if it was Jet Set Minor Willie or a different one, but I, I, it's really known as Jet Set Radio. And then there's a Jet Set Radio Future that came out, I believe, on the Xbox. I never really played that. This one is supposedly um, because Sega has never made another sequel to, to the much-beloved Jet Set Radio. So this other company made Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. And there's different. You, you can have rollerblades, skateboards, uh, BMX bicycles and stuff. It looks amazing. It's completely... So both these games are kind of based on earlier games, right? Xenotilt uh, based on Devil's Crush and Bomb Rush Cyberfunk based on Jet Set Radio. It looks really good, though, so I'm going to try to get it eventually. But just a little bit of video game news. In other news, uh, a TV show on Amazon Prime that I quite liked. It was called The Peripheral. I think it was out, was it last year or earlier this year or something? Uh, really, really good show, and I, it, I heard it was renewed for a second season. Uh, this was um, these people living in Appalachia in the near future. They get this uh, peripheral device where you can uh, seemingly like go into an alt, you know, get, go into like a VR kind of environment. Um, but and it's good to watch it with no preconceived notions. So if you want to just pause here and go watch the show. Because there's going to be spoilers after this. I really enjoyed it. I thought the first few episodes were absolutely brilliant. The series, towards the end, kind of fell apart a little bit, in my opinion. But I was very much looking forward to what was going to happen in the second season. Because it's based on a book. But apparently, like so many times, the TV show was only loosely based on the book. So what was going to happen, you would only have seen in the TV show. But now... Apparently, the show has been unrenewed by Amazon. It has been canceled. Even though it had been renewed, it is now completely canceled due to the ongoing uh, writers and actors strike because Hollywood is still completely on strike. I don't know if there's any... Let me, I, I haven't heard about it recently. Like, uh, is, there, is there any resolution in sight? Yeah, I haven't heard about it recently. What's the latest? Hollywood Studios disclosed their offer on day 113 of the writer's strike. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. The industry is struggling because everyone's on strike. I mean, considering that all the shows that have already been made, there's so many shows that even if you watch TV constantly, you probably couldn't even see all the shows that have been made for the rest of your lifetime. There's too many shows out there. So even if they don't ever make any more shows, there still would be stuff to watch. But listen, I know these people need to make a living, yada, yada. But um, yeah, it's still going. Wow. I, I don't know. Anyway, because of that, they canceled the peripheral. Or it's been unrenewed. So it's canceled. Now we'll never know what happened, but as the show did kind of fade away, just so I let you know the, what the concept was, that when they thought they were in a virtual reality, they actually were in a robot body in an actual reality, in an, in an alternate future, actually, right? It was a really cool concept. It was basically that um, they had the you know the standard quantum computer they always have in science fiction that can make contact with the past like it it can actually reach into the past and communicate with the past 
But the moment you uh, break into the communication networks of the past with your quantum device, you uh, branch off uh, an alternate timeline, what they call stubs. And so um, the world the people are living in in the story is actually a stub, right? It's a reality that has no impact on these people in in this future uh, London, England, but they're able to uh, exert huge influence because they have uh, unlimited communications and they can take over networks, they can steal money and give people money, they can send plans for futuristic devices back in time to be made. And they're like maintaining these stubs. And there was some question as to in that future London, like maybe everyone was just living in these robot bodies and where were their real bodies? It was really, there was some very fascinating stuff, but it towards the end it did kind of, you know, the sheen kind of came off and it wasn't really quite as good. But anyway, uh, I'm sad it's not coming back, but whatever. It's, it's still worth watching the first season. I thought it was quite good. Um, I finished watching the first uh, two episodes of, of Ahsoka, the new uh, Star Wars show, as I mentioned on last episode. I thought the first two episodes were really good. I thought that it has this really slow, measured pace, and um, the uh, and a lot of people talked about that when, on the reviews, and also the uh, dialogue and the way the characters talk is much more formal and a bit more wooden. But it is. I wouldn't have expected this, but that kind of delivery is so welcome considering the endless wisecracking that's done in most movies, all the Marvel movies. There's this weird kind of wisecracking um, uh, banter that happens that is so annoying and so unrealistic. So these characters are more, their their delivery is a bit more like a B science fiction movie or uh, a, a play or a Shakespeare play, like there's a bit more formality to it, and the pace is very slow. And I found fu- I found that to be quite agreeable uh, compared to a lot of the other Star Wars stuff. So I thought the first two episodes of Ahsoka were actually very good, uh, which is so rare in the world of Star Wars live action shows. So anyway, I, if you're not into Star Wars, I wouldn't even begin to deal with any of this stuff. Even though I do think that Andor was a quite a good show, but that's the only show I would recommend thus far. Who knows? Maybe Ahsoka will rise to this level. But Andor, I would recommend even to a non-Star Wars fan. But the rest of the stuff, like me, I, I have to watch all the live-action stuff because I've Star Wars has meant so much to me in my life. But I wouldn't even bother with it if you're not into Star Wars. I, when I encounter people that aren't into Star Wars, I sort of almost sort of envy their how they are free of Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars will always be a ball and chain to me, but a ball and chain that I do quite like at some level. What do you want? Seeing Star Wars in 77 when it first came out was a life-changing experience for me and my whole generation of Generation X. Anyways, with that, I would like to say thank you so much for patching in to this episode of The Overnightscape. I am your host, Frank Edward Nora. I'm here in Nutley, New Jersey on Thursday, August 24th, 2024, 2023. It's not 2024 yet. It's 2023. Yeah, so um, we're here in Ansug Radio, uh, broadcasting from inside a book. And uh, get all the information you need at onsug.com, O-N-S-U-G.com. 
you can uh, check out all the latest shows and uh, you can get a copy of the book the last the most the most recent print version is from 2021 but as I mentioned I am going to be uh, trying to get the next edition of the print edition out this year you can buy a copy of the previous book cheap cheap it's uh, it's the lowest price possible I don't make any money on it because we have a non-commercial project here in onsug radio we have and you can also download a PDF of the print book or also the latest book all um, all updated the, the PDF version has 3500 pages contains all of the show notes and show references and most of the show art uh, depending on the edition of uh, the entire thing which is over 11,000 episodes over 14,000 hours of audio we have a unique style and we are very focused on people listening in both the near and far future and uh, the idea is as we move forward to try to figure out a way to include all of the audio which is getting closer to a terabyte of audio um, probably like 700 gigabytes thus far uh, have it encoded into the book right and like having digital storage inside the book and having a audio speakers in the book all sort of merged together so the idea is it would be this device that would um and i i imagine you know think about 3d printing right now like in the future there'd be there'd be a way to manufacture objects using a combination of 3D printing, but also AI and things like that. So you can actually create an object like this, a physical book with with paper pages, etc., and then electronics built into it. You know, and then that same object, an actual book that can contain all the audio, will be reproduced in a virtual sense in a vir- in the virtual reality. Right. So this project, it's actually inside the book. So if you have a copy of the book in either form, you can hear all the audio which is currently 14,000 hours, which is way over a year and a half of, of audio. And as I said, I'm working on the broadcast level where you can hear uh, random clips with commentary to sort of get you on your way to exploring our entire archive. Yes, and your voice can be in this archive very easily. Just find a show called Overnightscape Central. Let's here, Here's the latest edition from yesterday, uh, an episode about cars from uh, August 23rd, 2023. And what you do, you find the latest episode whenever you are. Just find the latest episode, and uh, you can listen to it. And, ha- and PQ actually writes down the next one. So the next topic is get philosophical. <laughs> That's a natural for me. I'm gonna get. Oh, I'm gonna get really philosophical. Come on. Uh, yeah. So check out the central. Listen to the episode, and you'll find all the information you need to participate. Essentially, just record some audio and email it to PQ. And you will be on the show, and your voice will be in this archive. Who knows? People in 10,000 years may be listening to you talk about philosophy or cars or cartoons or puppets or what have you, coffee, all sorts of topics. We'd love to hear from you. Please do it. Now that you know about Onsug Radio, it truly is uh, a lifetime of listening pleasure, uh, something you can always come back to, make a mental note if... uh, you know, you always can come back and listen to more shows. And us as the hosts, there's dozens and dozens of hosts. Uh, we'll always be here for you. We're like your radio pals. So please check it out. Now it is time to uh, head on down towards the setting sun. 
of fame and infamy, an audio mix-up with lots of fun stuff. Here it is, The Other Side.
as we're walking to the beach, I'm going to sort of like tug on your sleeve a little bit and indicate that I want to speak to you sort of more alone. Me, Tucker? Yes, yes, me, Tucker. <laughs> the beach um, is pretty populated this time. I mean, it's... I mean, I'm just saying, it's, it's an afternoon in late summer. I mean, I mean it's not that populated yeah. because it's a Thursday, <laughs> but, like, I mean, yeah, it's time for everybody. It's a good time to hang out at the beach. It's like September. I think I'll give Rada a look and then, like, step a little bit away. <laughs> not, not, like, distant. Not, 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 like, clearly, like, we're going to go off and be alone, but just sort of, like, aside. Oh, yeah. I, I don't want you to go that far anyway. Um, I'm going to sort of, like, say, fairly quietly, um, look, could you, I know you're upset, but could you... Don't hurt Rufus. I'm going to spend a string on you uh, to force you to hold steady to uh, if you intend to hurt Rufus. So I would I would roll to hold steady. You would have to roll steady. You would have to hold steady. Yeah, let's just. Why don't you just spend the string when that happens? Oh, okay. Okay. Like, yeah. Set up made. Hold on. Never mind. Yeah, I mean. Well, I mean, never mind to be spending the string. Right. You. I'll just talk. Speaking of talking, Tucker, there's just sort of like a, a, a it's sort of like a, a, a nagging feeling in the back of your head that you know, it, it probably you probably feel pretty good to tell Mister Wamsley about what happened here. You you get an experience if if you if you if you tell if you, if you tell Mister Wamsley about like that somebody broke into this room. <laughs> When Rita pulls Tucker aside, I would like to speak with. You mean when Deirdre pulls Tucker aside? Yes. You're Rita. <laughs> Whoa! Rita pulls Tucker aside and speaks to Rowan. <laughs> hey, come here. Now you. Hey. Um. I'm really, really sorry again about the whole thing with your thing. (laughs) You know, I said some shitty stuff yesterday. It's cool. Do you know anything about Mr. Walmsley? You know, um, I was in his office yesterday after the thing in the cafeteria, um, and I saw this really weird filing cabinet with weird stuff in it. I mean, I don't know a lot about filing cabinets. <laughs> we don't have those right in front. <laughs> but it seemed especially we have filing weird. treasure chests. <laughs> um, filing oysters, obviously. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, okay. Get I, it right. Don't, don't insult my culture. <laughs> if this is too personal, um, I understand. But I kind of, um, I heard you and Deirdre talking about, like, seeing things, and, um... Well, yeah, that's why we're going to the beach. Well, that happened to me last night, um, oh, what, one time, um... And I would like to be able to do it again. But when it happened last night, uh, 
I coughed up blood and it happened in the okay. blood. And I don't want to have to cough up blood right. anytime I want to see something. You so could was, try listening to the ocean. I mean, that always works for me. I was, well, I was just wondering if you could like help me like understand it. I don't know. I can try. He was his parents' pride and joy, and they loved him very much. But because they had become so tangled up in their jobs, they forgot to tell Cody how much they loved him. So many problems could be avoided if people would take the time to stop and say, I love you. That's silly. Why couldn't they just say, I love you? That's easy. Watch. Kurt? Yes, Egbert? Kurt? I, uh, I, uh, I love your new hairdo. But Egbert, I always wear my hair like this. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, I sure do. Hey, everybody, let's sing that song. Do you love the people? Yeah. Song number 22 in the songbook. Love is the word that many people say. Love is something that people find hard to do. Love is helping your brother. And helping your sister too Love is showing someone that you care
Did you hear that Paula has a new boyfriend? Yeah, it's Sam, isn't it? No, that was last week. Now she's in love with Barry. Hey, I thought she was in love with Tom. No, that was two weeks ago. Oh, oh yeah. thing unique I would say about Morningstar at present is that it is 30 acres plus of land, uh, access to which is denied to no one. I don't really know why I started it. What I think has emerged here is a very valuable pilot study in the lifestyle of the future. Very shortly in this country we will see that machines in the form of cybernated production, automation run by computers, will be doing all but a fraction of the work necessary to provide the goods and services required by our society. As a result, we're going to have what you may call compulsory leisure. Now, in order to, and oh, we will also have a society of abundance, in order to find out what kind of lifestyle will be consonant with human dignity under these circumstances, we've got to have some kind of place where there's as little blueprinting as possible so that people can play. That is the scientific goal of Morningstar. What is really essential about the hippies is the fact that they do constitute the first wave of the technologically unemployable. I mean, those people who have all had jobs, but in the performance of their duties, a little voice has come to them and said, this job can be better done by a machine. When this happens to you, you're in the process of dropping out, whether you know it or not, because the soul is withering. That is what is critical about the hippies. And what they find to do with this leisure that they have taken upon themselves is going to be stipulative. It's going to be critical for the kinds of paths that are followed by those who come after. And there's going to be a huge number, dear friends. Wow, where else do you know? 
can you do anything you want to do without being shot at and chased around? Like, well, I've been some really strange towns. <laughs> you know, like walking to a a small town with hair is like it's not cool. It's just unhip. You know, they chase you and throw things and call you names and you know the whole scene. And this place, you know, you can relax without being asked why all the time. I got such a kick out of it because I was telling Lee coming out here, I said some of my students said they were going to come out here and live after graduation, and I said it wouldn't surprise me at all to see see some, and then to see Rick here is, is quite something. But this doesn't shock you at all, huh, after our no. traditional training in school? No, it doesn't. I think it's a lot better than the traditional training in the school. I really do. Oh, you do? Why? This is interesting. I'd like to know. Well, I don't know. It just seems like this is the way it should be because uh, people get so tied up in playing their games when they get through a school and everything. Now, they've got to be a certain way. Because mm -hmm. it does, does get in the way a lot. You can't really start to love people until you get rid of these fronts. In other words, the phoniness thing. Yeah. In other words, you think we at school were all phony? No, no. It's just that, well, in a sense, it was. In other words, it's, it's, it's the honesty. Mm -hmm. Right. I see, I see what you mean. And you think these people are really honest and then in our other society, it's kind of phony then, huh? In some ways, yeah. Okay. But Do you think you're going to be able to live in society all right after this? I don't know. I could probably make it, but the thing is, I've lost a lot of these fronts I've had. Because I don't, that's one thing, I don't want to have any more friends. Yeah, but do you think the rest of society can play the game then, the way you're going to play it? Well, that's, it's up to them if they want to or not, because it really doesn't bother me. There's nothing to be, quotes uptight about with respect to the hippies, but I think that snowballing cybernation in industry the world over is a genuine cause for concern. The hippies are just the first products of this, of this snowballing cybernation. this hard work virtue. Uh, the work virtue is dead as an American virtue, really. I mean, who's going to have to work 40 hours a week in 10 years besides doctors? People are going to have to have new ways to relax and enjoy themselves and enjoy each other.
welcome to the Walt Disney World Resort, including Epcot Center, the Magic Kingdom, and now the Disney MGM Studios. Today, the Magic Kingdom is open from 9 a.m. to midnight. Epcot Center is open from 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. And the Disney MGM Studios are open from 8 a.m. to midnight. If you're going to a Walt Disney World Resort Hotel, please follow the directional signs. If you need handicapped assistance or information, please use the far right-hand lanes at the Auto Plaza. When you choose a four-day all-three-parks or five-day-plus superpass, you'll be able to visit the Magic Kingdom Park, Epcot Center, and the Disney MGM Studios and more while getting the biggest savings ever. You'll save over $20 on the four-day and over $70 on the five-day. The Super Pass includes unlimited admission to Typhoon Lagoon, River Country, Discovery Island, and Pleasure Island for up to seven days from date of first use at a major theme park, in addition to admission to all three parks. All three parks' passports are good for unlimited admission to the Magic Kingdom, Epcot Center, and the Disney MGM Studios, plus use of all Walt Disney World transportation. Your all three parks passport days can be used in a row or one day at a time, any day of the week, month, or year, any year until you've enjoyed all of your visits. All three parks passports are good forever. For your convenience, four kennels are located throughout the vacation kingdom and provide service for a nominal charge. Please do not leave pets in the car. Strollers and wheelchairs may be rented at the Disney MGM Studios, the Magic Kingdom, or Epcot Center entrances. For your safety, remain seated with your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside while the tram is moving, and watch your children. Please hold on to hats, glasses, or any loose items that could fall from the tram. If an article should fall, please stay seated until the next stop and inform the nearest cast member. Thank you. Por su propia seguridad, permanezca sentado con las manos, brazos, pies y piernas dentro del vehículo mientras que el tren esté en movimiento. Por favor, cuide a los niños. Gracias. At this time, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to call for no further boarding. I need everyone on board to sit down, sit back, relax, and driver clear. Ladies and gentlemen, you are joining us once again today from the stage parking lot, rows 37 through 47. On behalf of your driver, Susan, and myself, Mel, let us be the first to welcome you to Disney's Hollywood Studios this afternoon. For your entertainment pleasure, the park will remain open until 7 o'clock this evening. We are going to run a courtesy tram for 90 minutes after closure of the park for your convenience. If you turn your attention to your driver's right, silhouetted against the sky above the tree line, you're going to see the Hollywood Hotel, home of the Tower of Terror. 13 stories, 199 feet. You make it all the way to the top. We're going to open the doors and let you look out on the entire studio for about three seconds. Then we're going to drop you over and over and plummet you deeper and deeper into the twilight zone. Now your driver is about to make her final right-hand turn into the main entrance. For your safety, please stay seated until we come to a complete stop. 
Once that stop has occurred, exit to your driver's right. Step over the yellow line, follow the blue arrows through a mandatory security checkpoint. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of your driver and myself, welcome to the studios. Please stay seated until we come to a complete and full stop. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, you may now exit to your driver's right. Simply pull up on the door handle, push the door open. to turn on the world. Get in, kids. There's always room for one more.
Hey kids, look backwards real fast. The Idiot Raven Secondhand Store is back, and we're going back even further with our big rollback on Juanita and Juan's tobaccos. This week at only 3.7, string included. And give that bird a run for your money with time to spare because we just got a whole shipload of Eddie Albert lunchboxes. But wait, with a purchase of two or more boxes, you get an official pair of leg irons with Eb's picture right in there. Wow. And just when you thought it was safe to scream, yes, we've got trench coats. Enough to make Peter Falk's eyes fall out at 9.09 after the white glove rebate. So hurry real fast to the Idiot Raven second-hand store. Price is effective only as long as our instruments. lunch, aren't you? Uh, yeah. I'm at that lunch for the christening, but I can talk with I Oh, no, no, no. Well, I, I don't need to, no. I, no, uh, no, but I can talk from here. Yeah. When will you, uh, uh, when will you finish and so forth? Uh, uh maybe uh, in about half an hour, 45 minutes. No, but I mean, we're, let me see. I don't want you to make any special... Were you coming back here anyway, or where were you going? Going home? I was or? Going, going home, yes. Fine. Well, I see no, no reason to, no need to, then. I'll give you... Uh, a, we had the first reports from Hague, Mr. President. Yeah, well, why don't you just wait until you get back, and at your convenience, you give them to me, okay? Because I'm in no hurry. Right, Mr. Fine. President.